Hey, welcome out to Health Warriors. I hope everybody's doing great today. I hope you had a great, great week. Everything went great. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say something real quick that um, I got my older son, who's 18 now, he turned 18 January 5th, into stock trading. And I, I think it's something that that I did. I, I've done it for 21 years, been quite successful at it. And I just kind of wanted to help teach him how to do it. And his mind works a little bit different to me. He's a lot more analytical than I was and better with math. Um, and things like that. And so, you know, I, I gave him the foundation. He went and opened up his stock account. And um, then I said, well, go online because you can learn anything online through YouTube, you know. And so he went online and started watching videos, how to do puts and calls con contracts. And so it, it was interesting to watch him. So he started out and he'd make, you know, five or $10 on a contract. And he was very excited about that. And then he he, he went up to where he's making, you know, one or 50 to a hundred dollars on these, these contracts. Well, um, the other day he had bought, I don't know if it was a put a call contract on Facebook and it actually, it must've been a put a call cause it went up. Um, but it actually went up and it hit the threshold and he made $2,500 in one day <laughs> and he's sitting in class in school. And of course the teacher knows that he, he trades stocks. So in, in his, I think it's economic class or whatever, she allows him to do that on his phone. Because uh, they're all very interested. He wants to give a class on on teaching stocks. And so he got really excited because, you know, he sold the contract. He made twenty five hundred dollars. I think, man, it's, you know, 18 year old kid making twenty five hundred bucks a week plus doing stock trading. Heck, yeah. I told him, I said, junior, screw college, man. I'm going to get you trading 24 <laughs> seven. Set him up with, you know, six monitors in his bedroom and he can sit there and trade stocks all day. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's it, you know, for me, it's it's important. You know, I, my family, when I was growing up, you know, we lived on the farm. We didn't have a whole lot, but I, my parents never taught us anything about money. Um, and so it was really important for me to teach my children the importance of money and, and not just having money, but how to save it, how to spend it, how to keep track of it. Uh, Junior, from a very young age, had a checkbook ledger. And every time he, he took money out of his little metal box, he had to subtract it or add it. Uh, with the receipt when he got something. So we taught that to him at very uh, young age. We're doing the same thing with Lloyd, who's, who's seven now. Um, I just think that's that's important. So I just wanted to say that real quick before we get rolling in. Uh, but I'd like to say that if you'd like to sponsor my podcast, uh, feel free to reach out to me through my website at clifford.w.bauman at gmail.com. We'd love to have you part of the team. Um, we're going to have quite a few of these, these coming out. We're going to do one a week. Um, my producer, Kevin, he had knee surgery, so he's healing from that. Uh, so that gives us a little bit more free time to do a lot of recording. So I'm very excited about that. I'm excited about the guest lineup that we have coming uh, that you'll see in the next couple of podcasts coming out. So I'm, I'm very excited to have some guests to come on and talk about Mental Health Warrior and, and things that they do and, and what they have. And, and really, I'm really excited about one guest that's coming on. Um, she did an article on me for the Ohio newspaper a while back. And she's the one that kind of came up with the mental health warrior theme uh, that I've kind of, you know, embraced and take on. And so it's really nice. It'll be nice to have her come on and and talk about, you know, her issues and what she's done and, and how she's, you know, lived through trauma in life. She wasn't in the military um, and how she's kind of changed it and how she kind of started the whole mental health warrior uh, theme. And so I'm very excited for her to come on. And so she's a she's a close friend of mine. We, we talk almost weekly. Uh, and then she has a NAMI group that I join every Thursday or every other Thursday when I can. Uh, and I think that's really nice. You know, if, if you don't, you know, you know, great thing about what, say what you want about COVID, right? So COVID had a lot of bad things, got political, there's all kinds of things. And we can have a whole show talking about that if you guys want, but I'd rather not. 
one good thing that came out of COVID is, is telehealth, right? So telehealth and, and tele and telehealth and, and working from home really got more popular where it really wasn't before. And so, and I'll get into the boat rescue story here in a minute. But what's nice is with my NAMI support group, and, and she'll talk about this more when she comes on the show, is, um, you know, it's a group of us that get together and we just sit around like you're watching this podcast now. And it's a, it turns into a group therapy session. And, and we talk about what, what things are going on in our life. I, I'd never done that before the, the group therapy in person or, or online. I've seen therapists, but they were one-on-one. And it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and, you know, it's, I, I kind of really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I, it's at seven o'clock on a, on a Thursday evening. And I sit, sit down at my computer at my desk and tell the kids what I'm doing. And we sit there for an hour and, and, you know, everybody talks about, you know, their issues or problems or what's going on, you know, with them that day. And it's really nice. And so I just want to say that, offer that up, that if you are, you know, would like to do a group therapy session, it's free. Uh, and I'll, I'll make sure that Danae talks about that more when she comes on, on, on signing up for NAMI. They're, they're in all the states and territories, um, you know, so you can go on and sign on and, and you know, have a group therapy session whenever you want. It's, it's kind of nice. It, you know, sometimes it's just nice to talk to strangers and tell stuff about you that you don't tell other people, right? That's why uh, it's a lot easier sometimes to tell a therapist about your problems than it is for you to talk about them to, you know, fans or family, right? Because they may not understand it, you know, it's like the the bartender syndrome, right? You want to go and you tell all your 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 bad story to the bartender, right? So if, if I ever go with the Scotland with the Celtic warrior, then I can go into the bar over there and I can just tell the bartender all my issues and problems. But I'm excited about today's show. Um, I'm going to talk about the boat rescue. I brought that up. I've, I've kind of hit it on it a, a couple of times in my past podcast. Um, you know, it's something that happened October 9th, um, October 9th, <laughs> October 3rd, 2009. And uh, so to just kind of give you a backstory, at that time, I was living at Fort Monroe, Virginia. Uh, Fort Monroe is on the peninsula there and uh, down in southern Virginia. Um, it's a very old base. It's been there since 1609. It was an active base up until 2014 when Tradoc moved and they moved to Fort Eustis. So it's a very historic area. The Fort Monroe has been destroyed, I think, three times by hurricanes and, and some other stuff. So it's, it's just an absolutely beautiful base. And I really enjoyed living there. I was very honored. I was able to live there for almost nine years. And we lived across the street from the marina. And so what was nice is we just, you know, if we decided to go fishing, we just get up, walk across the street, unlock the gate, go get on the boat, and we're out fishing in the bay. And so we fished about nine months out of the year down there. I mean, so we, we fished all the time. And so my son, who was five at the time, uh, Junior, Cliff Junior, you know, one Sunday morning, he wanted to go fishing. And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And so I called my buddy Rick, who's a, who was a sergeant major at the time, and I said, hey, uh, you want to go fishing? Of course, he was always down for fishermen. And so he shows up at the house, and, and we get on the boat. It's about, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning, October 3rd. It's a normal, normal October day. The sun was shining. It was cool outside, maybe in the, the low 60s or maybe low 50s i think um and the waves were pretty pretty calm is one to two foot waves it's pretty much normal for the chesapeake bay and so we we leave the marina and we motor out around and you and you come out around monroe and then we we went out about five miles just offshore there because junior wanted to drift fish and if you don't know anything about drift fishing it's just exactly what it sounds you're just out there and you're just drifting with the current um you know, and you put your fishing poles in and we were fishing for flounder. So you're just bouncing your, your lure off the bottom and you know, flounder lay flat and they, they come up and bite. 
And and so we're we're doing that. And so as we're doing that, you know, I, I'm looking around, you know, situational awareness. I noticed this other small vessel. Um, it was probably about a thousand yards from us, maybe not quite that far. Um, and they were drift fishing too. But then there was this barge coming up out of the coming up around the, the shipping channel there at Fort Monroe. And it was a tugboat pushing a barge. Now this barge was 140 feet long, two stories high, and the tugboat's behind it pushing it, you know, coming out of the channel. And the small vessel wasn't getting out of its way. And I told Rick, I said, dude, I I I don't think that boat's gonna move out of the way. I think they're gonna they're gonna get hit. I was just I couldn't believe it. And so we started bringing in our fishing poles and stuff. And then I went down and grabbed my uh, Coast Guard bag, which has all my life vests and, you know, first aid kits and everything and brought it up out of the cutty cabin. Um, and then we started motoring over to where that boat is. And about that time, picture this, this barge is coming this way. This boat's sitting like this. That barge hits that boat for the first time and it rocks it all the way back like that. And then it comes back. That's when the guys in the boat started panicking. I'm like, what <laughs> at that moment you panic and so the second time the weight just pushed the boat forward because the barge is flat on the front and the boat rocked back a little bit farther that's when one of the guys in the boat stood up and put his hand on the barge and was yelling hey 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 and uh the third time the boat when it rocked the barge ran over it and so when the barge ran over it then it popped up over here on the other side and so at that time we had motored around the barge and we came up onto the scene and there was three guys holding on to the capsized vessel. And there was one guy that was uh, trying to swim in the water. He didn't really know how to swim. And then he just stopped moving and went face down in the water. Um, it was at that moment. Now, I am I know how to swim. I am not a rescue swimmer uh, by any means of the, of the fact. Um, and other than recreational swimming, that's all I've ever done. I'm really good at dog paddle. Dog paddling is my swimming stroke. If there was Olympic spin. Olympic sport for that, I'd be right on it, brother. But I can dog paddle. But so, so I I grabbed three life vests, put one on my arm, put one on me. I stripped my shirt down because uh, I had jean shorts on. But and then I dove into the water and I swam about twenty yards over to him and I, I flipped him over. But how, how the fuck do you do CPR in the water? I, I had no idea. And so I would hit on his chest. He was foaming at the mouth and he just kind of had that strange gaze in his eyes, and he would go under. And I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't figure this out. And so another boat had motored up on scene and I yelled at him what was going on. And so we tried to, you know, get him, but he's a pretty, pretty good sized guy, try to get him up. And, he, and if you know anything about dead weight in the water, the, you know, the, the three times as heavy, it seems like we just couldn't get him up in that vessel. Um, and so I went ahead and took one of the life vests off me and put it on him. So, you know, he wouldn't sink. Um, Cause at that time I don't, I don't know. I don't think he was alive at that time. I, maybe I don't know. But while we were trying to get him up into the the boat, he was foaming at the mouth and all that crap was falling on me and and all kinds of stuff. And eventually, they got him into that boat and rushed him to shore. Uh, and then, unfortunately, I, and I'll talk more about this later in the story. Unfortunately, I find out that he did pass away. So they kind of leave the scene, and now I got to swim twenty five yards over to the capsized vessel because, mind you. The ocean current's still moving. The bay current's still moving. So the boat's going out because it was, it was switching to outgoing tide. Uh, was it coming in? And so I swam over to them. Now, these guys are holding on to the boat, and they're straight up panicking. The biggest guy was probably about six foot one, six foot two, 300 pounds. 
Um, and so I pull myself up on top of the capsized vessel and I put the one vest I have on the one guy, the other vest I had, I stuck it on the guy that was behind me as I'm on the vessel. And then the third guy, my buddy Rick had to throw me another life vest. Cause remember I stuck one on the other guy. I only had three on my arm. Uh, and so I got them all bested. And of course now the whole time we're moving like this, and I'm sitting on top of the capsized vessel, giving him instructions. Well, the whole time I'm doing this, you know, now I'm about 20 minutes in the water. What do you think is going on with my five-year-old son in the boat? You think he's having a good time fishing anymore? No, he's yelling, screaming, freaking the fuck out. What daddy to get back in the boat because he doesn't understand what's going on. And of course, I'm trying to keep him calm down, trying to give Rick commands on what I think we should do and how to get the guys in the boat. And oh, by the way, keeping the three guys, I just put best on calm down because they were freaking out. The biggest guy was freaking out the worst. And so I, I told him, I said, look, I said, look, you got the best on. You're not, you're not going to sink. You're, you're fine. You're safe. Okay. But if you don't calm the fuck down, I'm not going to get you in the boat. I will not be able to get you in that boat. And so he kind of calmed himself down. And so Rick and I, while we were talking, what we decided to do is, is he would back my boat up to the capsized vessel. I would put my ladder down and then I would rest my back against the capsized vessel. And we would set the guys on my lap. I put my feet on the bottom ring. And then we would push and pull the guys and try to get them up in the boat that way. And so we decided to take the bigger guy first because we figured that'd be the most difficult. We had the, the most energy now. And so I, I swam around. I got him. I lead him back over, you know, to where we're going to pick him up at. Rick backs the boat up. I put my ladder down. I put my feet on the bottom ring. The guy crawls up kind of onto my lap. And then we start pushing and pull to get him up in there. And it, oh my God, it took, I don't know what, 15 times to get him up in that boat the first time. Now, mind you, the whole time we're doing this, right? So the, there's waves going on. And so we get him up into the, to the vessel. And then I swim around to the second guy and he wasn't moving. He was laying parallel with, with the boat. I couldn't figure out what, what the fuck is this guy's problem? He's, he's not fucking moving. Well, come to find out he was all tied up with fishing string and rope and stuff, got tangled up in his legs in the boat. So thank God the boat didn't sink because I had it sunk. It would have taken him down with him. I didn't realize. So Rick had to give me a knife and I had to, I had to cut him free and I got him cut free, but he was so panicked with fear. He was stiff as a boy. He, he couldn't move. And, and so when I, it was kind of difficult to get him around the boat, you know, cause he was on this side of the boat and I had to get him back on the other side of the boat. So we had to go around this way. And he was, he was stiff as boys laying parallel. He wasn't swimming or nothing. And so I had to drag him across and I laid him across my lap. And I, we just couldn't get him up there. And so, you, you know, you hear about people getting this big rush of adrenaline, right? And so I got it. And I literally just threw him up over my engine and into the back of my boat. Um, and so then the third guy went over and grabbed him. Now, he, he was pretty okay. He pretty much uh, got himself into the, into, the, into the boat. He wasn't too difficult. Well, at this point now, you know, I'm almost 45 minutes in, what, 60-degree water, 59-degree water, so now I'm starting to have hyperthermia set in. And my buddy Rick actually had to get me into the boat. Hey, he had to pull me into the boat because uh, I think my adrenaline was just starting to come down with the last guy getting in. And I just, I couldn't, I was losing functionality. Um, and so we got into the boat. I got my son calmed down. I'm doing, uh, you know, medical examinations real quick of the guys who we just got in. And, and most of them were kind of in shock and not really saying much. And they had, you know, cuts and bruises on them and, and things from being ran over by the barge. Um, and so Rick takes my boat. I take over command of the boat. He takes over, you know, uh, medical, giving people medical, uh, you know, help. And then I take the boat and I have to motor five miles back to Fort Monroe. 
Well, you know, we, we radioed in over the emergency channel about the accident. Uh, and so by the time we got to Fort Monroe, the MPs were there, the ambulance was there, uh, you know, the Marine Patrol was there. And so everybody was there and we came in and, and as we were loading the guys off the, you know, we got, went to the dock there and we were loading the guys off my vessel onto the dock and into the emergency crews. Um, of course, everybody wants statements, you know, from this, that, and the other. And so at this time, one of the MPs had pulled me over and I was just talking with one of the MPs, but you remember the, the big guy, the first guy I put in the boat, I told you I was panicking so much. He, he didn't want to leave in the ambulance until he talked to me. And so the MP came over and says, Hey, uh, so-and-so, uh, want you to go, want you to go talk to him. Uh, could you go do it for a second? Cause they want to get him to the hospital. Now, mind you, these guys, they were in the mid sixties. Uh, you know, they were just up from, uh, North Carolina. They were, came up to go fishing on the weekend. Uh, on the Sunday that nobody was drinking, nobody was drunk, uh, no alcohol was involved. Uh, and they just didn't understand the, the rules of the road of, of that. It's your responsibility as a smaller vessel to get out of the way of the bigger, bigger vessels because they can't move. They, you know, it's just like a tractor trailer, a tractor trailer can't turn as tight as a car and they just can't shift that weight as fast as a car. And sometimes people forget that, I think. And so I walk over to the ambulance and he's, you know, he's laying on the stretcher and, and he's, See, this, this always chokes me up. Um, he, he, he's like, hey, I drink a water. He's like, um, you know, I, I thought I was a goner um, when that boat hit and we they rolled over so we went in the water. And he says, but the, <laughs> sorry. Um, he said the moment that I jumped out of the boat that he saw, he saw a pair of angel wings appear behind my back. And he knew at that moment he was going to live. And that, that sticks to me to this, to this day. And it still affects me. Um, but you know, that, that was pretty amazing. And so he left in, in the ambulance and, and, and got back now. Um, now I'm tending to my son. My son had, you know, a lot of issues and was scared to be on the boat and things like that. But I'm back in my uh, apartment there at Fort Monroe. I lived in a townhouse. And so I have to go to sick call because I'm, I'm injured. So it looked like somebody took a baseball bat to my back uh, just from the boat shifting and stuff. So I was all cut up and had, you know, scratches and bruises and things. So I'm, I'm at home uh, recovering uh, from my injuries, I was home on quarters, so I think, I don't know, 72 hours, and then I had to go back to the doctor, and then they put me on. So I was, I was at home for about six days before I actually was able to go back to work. But this at that time that I was at home, and you remember I, was, I told you, you know, early on about the guy that, uh, that I swam over to first that was laying face down in the water, and um, I had, you know, flipped him over and attempted CPR, got him up, Try to get him at the boat and they got him in the boat and then took him back to shore. Fortunately, he passed away. Uh, come to find out he was a army veteran, uh, worked for the prison system there, I think in Raleigh, North Carolina, I'm not too for sure uh, where, but, um, you know, they, they were just guys coming up to go fishing. They, they had no idea, but, you know, I, I tell this story for a couple of reasons. I'll get into that in a second, but as I'm at home, you know, and I'm sitting, you know, by myself and, you know, thinking about all the events that went on and what occurred, you know, what do you think I'm thinking about? You think I'm thinking about the three guys that saved that went home that day that 
wouldn't have had I not been there. I mean, the Marine Patrol said that. They said, had you guys not been here, somebody would have put a missing persons report in and we never would have found them because the barge didn't know they hit anybody. You know, so <clears throat> now they were tracked on GPS. So they figured out they hit somebody at, at some point. Um, but, you know, at the time of the accident, they had no idea they hit anything. So I had a good friend of mine that I worked with there to U.S. Army and Sessions Command, and he came over to my apartment just to check on me, and, you know, you know, welfare checks, how you doing and how am I handling things. He happened to be a, um, he was a nurse, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever they are. Um, and so he was sitting there and we were talking about it. And I was telling him that I was really depressed and upset that, you know, there's this guy and I, I did the best that I could, but I, I just, I couldn't save him. You know, I, I didn't know what I could have done any different. And, you know, he said something to me and it kind of really stuck to me is, you know, sometimes bad things happen to people. He said, but you did the best of your ability to, um, to try to save him. There's nothing more that you could have done. He says, you know, but three other guys went home that day who wouldn't have had you not been there. And this, he, he's absolutely right. But how many of us as human beings we always think about the negative and not the positive. You know, I was depressed for three, four days over this. The fact that I didn't save him. I wasn't even thinking about the, the three other guys that I, that were able to go home that day. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard and it's upsetting, but you know, all of us, if, you know, if you're in the military for a long time, you see a lot of stuff and, and we've been to war for a long time and we lost a lot of good people and close friends and things. And, and you might have been that person who who tried to help their friend and did the best to your ability and just know that uh, you did the best job you could do. There's, there's nothing else you could have done. And and sometimes stuff like that happens. Um, but, you know, one thing I, I talk about when I do my speaking events, when I tell this story is, you know, that's that's something that happened to me on a random Sunday where my son just wanted to go fishing. He, 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 he just wanted to go fishing. You know, and things went completely sideways. But how many of us in our life could be you could be driving to work, you you know, going on vacation or, or anything, and an accident like that happens? Maybe not too extreme that mine did, but you could come up on a car wreck. You could, you know, come up on on some type of a situation that maybe you are, or maybe you're not trained for. And how do you deal with that? You know, how do you deal with those thoughts and feelings? You know, one thing that we had to deal with with Junior is, you know, he loved fishing, he loved being in the boat. But after that incident, he was nervous and scared about getting on the boat. And oh my God, if you're out there fishing and a big ship's coming in, big vessel, he freaked the hell out. And so I had to get him to work through that. Well, one thing that happened to my boat uh, during the rescue is that it got damaged pretty bad. Um, I had just bought this boat in July and now it's October. So just a couple minutes, a couple months after I bought my boat, about three months. And so I took it back into the dealership where I bought it from, Northfolk Marine, there in Norfolk, Virginia. And, you know, I was telling the service manager, I didn't tell him the whole story when I first brought it in, right? But he started giving me, teasing me about, you know, messing up my boat because it, 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 it took quite a bit of damage. And uh, so then I told him the story on how it got damaged, right? You know, it, well, it wasn't because I drove it into, a, you know, rocks or anything like that. I was, you know, saving three people or tried to save four people. Um, and so I kind of told him the story. Well, they had my boat, I, I think it was for at least two months to get it fixed, uh, to get the parts in and, and kind of fix it. Because 
my interior was tore up from trying to get the guys into the back. So my rear bolster got ripped off. Um, some of the seats got kind of tore up by them just kind of getting dragged into it. Um, the back of the boat, my propeller got bent. I have no idea how that happened. It was a stainless steel propeller. Um, you know, so it, it sustained quite a bit of damage. I, and probably just from all the stuff floating around in the water, right? There's all kinds of crap in the water. And so they called me and they said, hey, your boat's ready. Come come pick it up. I was like, great. I was excited. I'm getting my boat back. I can go fishing. Right. Rock on. And so I get get down there and, and the, the service manager, Chris, is like, hey, um, Garland, the owner, he wants to he wants to talk with you before you leave with your boat. Uh, and I said, OK, yeah, cool. And so they took me over to his office. Now, you know, this is this uh, Norfolk Marines been family owned since the 40s and they're still family owned now. I think the son took over several years ago. And so I was talking with him. I sat down in his office, really nice guy. He's a, he's a really big guy, real tall guy, he's probably 6'3", six, 6'2", six, super nice guy. And, and so I was telling him the story about what happened. And, you know, he said, um, he says, you know, I've been a fisherman all my life. And I said, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, you put yourself in danger and, you know, went above and beyond to, to save those guys. And, and I just want to tell you that here at Norfolk Marine, we appreciate that. And they fixed my boat for free. They wouldn't let me pay for it because I, I wasn't going to turn in on my insurance. I don't know. It was like three, $4,000. So I think it's closer to five. And I'm very appreciative of that. I mean, they, that's something they did. They didn't have to do. And it, it just kind of says the character of what type of that boat boat dealership is. And so if I ever go move back by the ocean, and if I ever buy another boat, I told them I'm calling them and they can ship it wherever I'm at. or I'll go pick it up because I won't buy a boat from anybody else. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things. But, you know, as we get the boat back and, and I start taking Junior out and I had to let him process that as much as a five-year-old can process it. You know, it's, it's kind of hard. He was, you know, well, he's turning six in January of that year. But, you know, he would get all nervous and fidgety when those big vessels would come up. And, and so I had to learn how to talk with him. And we had, you know, we, we went and saw a child therapist over too, because I, I don't have all the tools I know or what I have or need to, to help his child because it, it's different. Right. And so he went was seeing a, a child psychologist to help him. And then, of course, we kind of also had to help him to kind of get over the fear of those big ships while we're out fishing, because that was something we did as a family. We we truly enjoyed. And eventually he did get over that. One thing about the, the boat rescue is that um, I was put in and I did receive the soldier's medal. Um, if anybody doesn't know what the soldier's medal is, it's it's the highest medal of, of so a soldier can receive uh, that's non-combat related. The only medal that's given out less is the Medal of Honor, from what I understand, uh, in the Army Times article that they ran on me. But funny story about that is when you can go, you can Google it, and you can still see the news articles on this. That uh, when the news broke about the boat accident, the Coast Guard was answering the questions to the news organization. First of all, the Coast Guard never showed up. Not once. I still got the newspaper article. I ripped their ass because in my point of mind, the Coast Guard's right there. You're five miles across. I see you out there all the time training. So we radio in GPS coordinates of the accident. I'm in the water for 40 minutes. Nobody from the Marine Patrol shows up. Nobody from the Coast Guard shows up. You know, in my mind, I think maybe Mr. Newton might have had a chance of living because they have the training I don't have. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows, right? But he would have had a different, better possibility. I, I don't know. And so my first newspaper article, I said, I want to set the story straight. The Coast Guard wasn't there. They didn't show up. 
Because in the news article, you think the Coast Guard was there and they're the ones that saved these guys. That kind of pissed me off, right? Pissed off anybody. So, you know, the funny thing is, it seemed like, you know, after that, and the articles came out about me ripping the Coast Guard, all of a sudden I'm getting safety checks while I'm out fishing all the time by the Coast Guard. They fucked with me for a couple months after that, but whatever. I didn't, whatever. I didn't fucking care. All my shit was straight in my boat anyway. So you can stop me 500 times. I don't care. But it's funny because so during their soldiers' matter ceremony, uh, General Dempsey was going to do the ceremony, but unfortunately at that time he was having cancer surgery. And so uh, General Sterling uh, did the ceremony. And so my family was there and you'd see pictures of it. Uh, and, and so I was very honored and humbled by this uh, to get this medal. And, and so General Sterling's, you know, we're in the back room and he's talking to me and my family. And then he excused my family to, to leave the room. And that's just me and him in the room. And he said, you know, this is the, in all my military career, this is the only soldier's medal I ever gave out. And I'm, I'm very excited to give this to you. I'm very honored. You know, it was, it was a really great thing that you did in, in, in saving those, those guys' lives. And, and you should be very proud of that. And then his tone kind of changed a little bit. And he says, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go up and I'm going to talk and then I'm going to let you speak last. Uh, and you just say a couple of words about it and whatever. And I said, yeah, okay, sure. And he says, but, but when you go up and speak, you are not going to say anything about the Coast Guard, are you? <laughs> I should have, but I didn't. And so I was like, okay, I, get, I got it. I got it. So I'll, I'll quit being political. Maybe they'll quit harassing me on the water if I quit, you know, dinging them for not showing up at the boat accident that they should have been to. To this day, it still pisses me off. And I don't know why. But so that's so now you've got the whole boat story. It, it's it's all out there now. You can you just told the story about it. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to the the next podcast. I think we're gonna have a guest on that one. Um, I just want to say that if you're a veteran out there and you're writing music on your own, and you'd like to have it be featured on my podcast here, please email it to me. Um, I did have a friend of mine, well, not really a friend, but I did have a veteran send some music into me. We've had some issues and uh, getting the right file transfer but i think we got it fixed um and so if, you know please send that music in i'll be more than happy to play it just make sure that it is your own music it's not something that you wrote to somebody else because there's copyright infringements we all know about that uh, but i would love to feature that on my podcast uh, if you'd like to sponsor my podcast once again please reach out to me at, at clifford.w.bauman at gmail.com i uh, would love to have you to come on as a sponsor and, and together we can work on you know, just getting everybody out there a little bit more mental, more healthy and make everybody a mental health warrior. I want to thank you for watching my podcast. Uh, you know, all, all the ones I watch, I'm, I'm truly honored and thankful for every one of you in the audience that takes time out of your day to watch it. And I hope you get something out of it. I get something out of it too. It's a therapy session for me and, and my producer there. I think he enjoys some of the stories I tell. And one of these days I want to get him on to tell some of his stories because he's got some pretty amazing stories. Uh, but you guys have a great week. Thanks for tuning in and take care.